the entire chapter 36 in Bracious is devoted to the discussion and the lineage of Esau's family. In great detail, Esau's family, the Seir HaChoyri family, the place of Edoim, where Esau settled. And, you know, usually we uh, just run through real quickly. I mean, it doesn't seem to have that much significance or important to us. The various different names, the various different uh, relationships that took place over there, we uh, skim through it. And, but when you pay a little bit more closer attention, it's really fascinating to see what the Parsha tells us and about different things we can learn about their families, about their relationships, about the different things that it's that was going on over there. And matter of fact, you know, the 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 depth of immorality, the the the, the relationship, incest and all kinds of promiscuous and all kinds of relationships over there is just mind boggling. I'll try to share with you just a few things there, but uh, it's also interesting, I once heard an expression, you know, you, when there's a, uh, um, a blessing, we, we wish each other, you should have Yiddish anachas. You heard that expression, you should have Yiddish anachas. By Hasidim, they say Hasidish anachas. But at least, you know, Yiddish, Yiddish anachas. So why, why Yiddish anachas? Because we see that one of the descendants of Esau was also called Nachas. So we make a distinction. We're saying, we say you should have Nachas, not like the Nachas over here in the parsha, but should be Yiddish Nachas, the real, uh, real pride from Yiddish Nachas. Um, if the Torah was just a, a history book, just tell you the story, we wouldn't really understand why the Torah chooses to change around names all the time. It's just so confusing when you read in two parshas back, and the parshas told this, the Torah relates to you the women that Esau married. First he married two women, then he married somebody else, a third woman. Three wives he had. And the Torah, you know, stops and tells you a little bit about it. In this week's parsha, in the end of a Yishlach, the Torah talks about those three women, but guess what? Not even one of these wives of Esau has the same name. They're all different names. It talks about Esau being married to three, three wives and the children that they had, but all the names here are altered. Not only the names, their names and the parents' name too, because it says the uh, daughter of that changes too. In one case, it's the same. But in the two other cases, it changes. There's the different, name, the different names. So, one, reading the Parsha, if you don't read the Rashi, you don't read the commentaries. So, maybe you think, maybe he had three wives, maybe these are different wives. Maybe he divorced those wives. Maybe he married somebody else. The names don't match. Rashi tells you, no, these are exactly the same. He gives you a reason why the names were changed and that there is a reason part of it is uh, Esau scheming to uh, deceit his father and to show himself as he named them like righteous name as the name of Yehudis to show you that she's very religious 
the name of Bosmas. There's different, various things. It's going to be too long to go through this whole detail. It's very, very interesting, but it's a, a long schmooze. But I want to just uh, stop on one, on one uh, aspect over here. So the Torah calls the names over here who he married. So one was Odobas Elon Achiti. And then we have Ohalivomo Bas Ano Bas Sivanachivi. Now, by the way, it's interesting to read here because you see where Amole comes from. You see all the trouble that the Jewish people had throughout the generation history. And when you read the section of Bereshus Bechlal and you see the children, and then you meet them once again later on in the story. Some of it in Parshish Devarim, in the Tanakh. So it's very interesting to be able to connect the puzzle and the pieces over here to see who comes from where and how it all sort of developed. So we know we have a Molech dealing in the Parshish, Nechom Eshmoi, starting as soon as the Eden left Mitzrayim, Nechom El Hashem Ba'amolech. That war with Amolech didn't begin over there. Why did Amalek all of a sudden come after the Jews left Egypt? All of a sudden, Amalek pipes up. It wasn't like that. There was a, a cheshben over here. There was a, uh, a reckoning. It all stemmed from this battle between Esau and Yaakov. You know. And, of course, in the Kabbalah, Esau and Yaakov, we spoke about it yesterday, they represent the more general battle that goes on between the good and the evil between ourselves, the Yetzir Toiv and the Yetzir Hara, between the bad in the world and the good in the world. So this is an ongoing battle. And with Yaakov taking the blessings from Yitzchak and Esau here, the Sar of Esau battling Yaakov, and then eventually it went on to the children. It went on to the children. It went on to Eliphaz. Eliphaz was sort of Chetzi Chetzi, as Rashi brought down. He was still... Uh, raised by Yitzchak, so he didn't want to really kill, but eventually, kill Yaakov, but eventually Amalek comes from there. And Amalek has been uh, on the Jewish case uh, since then, uh, fighting the Jewish people. But in any event, that's a different shmooze. I wanted to just stop at the name of the wife over here, the Torah calls her Olivamo Basano Basivanachibi. Her name was Olivamo. She was the daughter of who? So it says Basana. And then it says she was the daughter of Tzivan. But wait a minute. Whose daughter was she? Was she Anna's daughter or she was Tzivan's daughter? The Torah says both. The Torah says she was Basana. And it says Basivan. Unusual. The Torah usually says Bas one name. doesn't say uh, two Bas. It's, well, one can say maybe it's a, a granddaughter. But... Ano is the name of a male, is a man. Bas Ano. So we can't say Bas Tzivan, we can't say Ano is the daughter of Tzivan because Ano wasn't a daughter, Ano was a man. So it's still going back to Olivama. That Olivama was the daughter of Ano, Olivama was the daughter of Tzivan. How could Olivama be the daughter of Ano and be the daughter of Tzivan at the same time? Who was her father? Was the father Ano, the father was Tzivan? And Rashi goes and explains that over here, that actually her uh, real father was Tzivon. That was a real father. 
But people thought that she was the daughter of Anna because there was a relationship that took place between Tzivoin and Anna's wife. So the Torah calls her Bas Anna, the daughter of Anna, because people thought that this Olivoma, she was born by Anna's wife. So people assumed that if Anna's wife gave birth to this Olivoma who married Esau, that's probably the father must be Anna, because that's the husband of Olivoma's mother. That was his wife. And if she gave birth, it must be him. But the truth is, the Torah is telling us that she was Bas Tzivoin. Because Tzivoin actually had a relationship with Anna's wife and gave birth to Olivama, who later on married Esau. You still with me? <laughs> because it gets more complicated than that. But I don't know if at uh, 5 o'clock in the evening after the day, it's... Uh, uh, when you go through... I'm going to leave it at that because of the time constraint. But when you go through, and as Rashi points out, there was a totally, all these uh, births were illegitimate. They were all incestuous relationships. It was all mamzerus after mamzerus after mamzerus. In these three verses, in these four or five verses, we learn so much about, about their lifestyle, about who they really were. And then when you contrast that with Avram Yitzchak Yaakov and Yaakov and his children and Yaakov and his um, families and Metosu Shlema, so then you can contrast and see the difference between the descendants and the children of Yaakov and the, ch- the children of Esau, how much holier and how much more connected uh, the Bnei Yaakov were to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to morality and to the uh, way of life that is expected uh, from us as opposed to all these people that are coming from Esau and all these families. Just to go through the, some of the um, details over here, it's really fascinating. But the Torah tells us all these things to send us a very, very strong message that we need to realize that where we're standing, uh, where we're standing and where we come from, and our heritage, and our lineage, how much more beautiful, how much more holier, how much more pure it is than the other side. And that's why the Torah troubles itself to give us so much details and so much uh, uh, names of here and so much different uh, what took place over there, even though it doesn't seem like it has a very direct and immediate connection to us. Um, I also wanted to just conclude by giving a big yashikoyach to Rabbi Miller for organizing uh, this uh, rotation system or the minyonim. And um, I guess tonight uh, is uh, the last night that Chabad is in the rotation. Starting from Monday, it will go over to the young Israel of Sharon, and uh, then it will go to Eitz Chaim. I want to thank all of the people who came and joined us during the davening. It gives us an opportunity to meet and to be together with some people we may not see on a regular, on a daily basis. So again, Yashikoyach to Rabbi Miller for his efforts and for his uh, making the whole community, bringing us all together in such a special way. 
Daibishta should help all of us that we should be able to uh, do mitzvahs and good deeds and celebrate all together. And we know, as we say in the davening, Barcheinu avinu kulanu ke'echad, that when we are all as one, united as one, Barcheinu avinu, you know, this is, when we are separate sticks, you know, maybe you can break, but if you push a whole bunch of sticks together, then it's not easily breakable. If we stick together and we unite our efforts, then we're stronger and nobody can really touch us. So, Shukayach to everybody. And Mr. Shem, we'll see you all on Monday at uh, the Young Israel.